am asleep. Yeah. I'm asleep for today's podcast. Same. I, 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 I'm, my eyes are open and I can see and process information and I can convey information out of my mouth hole. But I don't mind telling you all, aside from that, I am completely asleep. <laughs> That's okay. My usual high energy, um, totally not monotonous voice will carry. I, I think it's just going to be a sleepy cast today. It might be a little bit sleepy. Because yeah. it's too humid over here. Oh my God, the weather. And it's one of those days where like, I got a decent night's sleep and then just... My brain won't do anything because it's too humid. I know it's hitting everyone in the UK. I watched um, Simon Miller's Ups and Downs for, for what he does for What Culture Wrestling. Hmm. And he seemed drunk. He wasn't, but he just, he was sweating and, and clearly hot from the weather. And he seemed drunk. His video he did today, like everyone in Britain's fucked up. We are we are not accustomed to this. Yeah. I, our whole, like people will go, oh, you know, England's not a hot country. Live with it. That's bollocks. We we have homes that are built for the winter because we have like just constant winter. Yeah. So they're insulated to hell and like they trap heat in, and then we don't have air conditioning. So like to podcast today, I've had to break all the golden rules. I've got a fan on. I've got my window open. <laughs> I'm still sleepy brain. But what people don't get about that is that everything's relative. Like. If you if you're freezing cold and you get into a hot shower, you're gonna turn the shower to a colder temperature than you would if you've been in a hot room. Yeah. You know, so when we are fucking used to being freezing cold and wet, and then suddenly it's like the fucking Amazon, <laughs> we get fucked over. <laughs> yeah. We get tired. But it's like if you were to put a penguin, if you put a penguin in a warm room and it starts yeah. getting upset. You don't expect someone to say, grow the fuck up, because that lion over there is doing just fine. It's eaten half of the penguins, but it's doing fine. Human bodies literally evolve and change due to the climate they're used to. That's why we have different skin colours, do you know? Not in America, though, where evolution doesn't exist. Ah, uh, yes, oh, yeah, yes, well, no, yes. It doesn't. We'll make an exception for that. It, it, it exists, but God made it happen, and, and humans were r running around with dinosaurs. <laughs> it's the thing, Britain is... Britain can get as hot as Spain and shit. Like, it gets yeah. freaking warm. And if you're in London, you got to watch out because of that lovely orb of pollution that's all around it that traps all the heat in. Uh. It gets horrible in London. What, are you... Are you talking about the, the, the cloud of pollution that's circling the whole world? We're burning alive, climate change. Uh. That as well. Also, climate change, which is real. He said controversially on this podcast. Oh. My brother is in Sicily at the moment and he is absolutely melting. <laughs> I, I, I can handle dry heat. It's the, the second there's any humidity, my brain just stops. Yeah. Like heat, heat, heat and cold both suck in different ways when it's also wet. Oh, that's Mississippi for you. That That's like, it's just humid all year round. At least if you're too cold, you can always put on more layers. If you're too hot and too humid and you've taken off all of your clothes and opened the window and put a fan on, you can't do anything extra. I'm not saying that's how I'm podcasting today. I'm not saying I'm podcasting naked. You're not saying you're not. I've done everything I can to cool down and I am still too warm, so, okay. you know. You need to take a page out of Robbie Williams's book from the Rock DJ music video. What's he do? Oh, the Rock DJ music video is brilliant. Everyone go look at it on YouTube. I don't want a Rock DJ. I'm too warm. Robbie Williams doing his great Rock DJ song. I don't want a Rock DJ because you're keeping me up today. Does that lovely song. And the music video is him in this room taking off all his clothes while all of the ladies are completely unimpressed. They don't give a fuck. He's taken off his clothes. They're like, what's next? It's like, I don't know what's next. He takes off more clothes. What's next? Oh, God. Right. Got to get me schlonger out now. <laughs> completely naked. They're still not all that into it. So he does the only thing that you could do in that situation and start stripping his skin off. <sighs> and then his muscular tissue. The video ends with him as a really, for the time, I guess it wasn't that dreadful, but these days, dreadful CGI skeleton. I don't want to rock, DJ. Cause you're making me feel so right. When's it gonna stop, DJ? Cause you're keeping me up all night. 
There you go. That that was great. And while you were doing it, I, I'm watching, and Jim did not exaggerate this video. Yeah. yeah. I've seen the start of this video. I've never seen how it ends. He's just a blood-covered muscle man with no hair. I think they banned it for a while because of the graphic content. Yeah, now he's just ripping bits of muscle out of himself. Yeah, he's a skelly. He's a naked skelly welly. Yeah, he just, he just falls apart like the health meter in the kids' TV show Nightmare, just piecemeal. It's clearly a comment on, ce- on um, celebrity. I, I guess. He just ripped off his butt cheeks to throw to the crowd, and now I'm back into it. Throws them like two big bits of ham. I'm amazed you've not seen this, Laura. No, well, you know, I'm I'm a youngling. You know, I'm one of I'm one of the young ones. I, I miss out on on. I didn't know this was happening in the presumably nineties. Oh, the night. I'm telling you, the nineties was for uh, creative expression. It was more free than things are now. Now, with certain things, not so much like with. Uh, Sexual content in TV shows and stuff, not so much. But uh, there were a lot more hyper-controversial music videos in the 90s. Yeah, music videos these days get their attention for mimetic reasons. Back then, back, back then, sort of late, late 90s, early 2000s, it was just how, how close to porn can we get this? <laughs> can we skirt up against pornography? I was watching a thing last night about the time uh, Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails released a 20-minute mo- movie to go along with one of their albums, which was basically, we want to make the most unmarketable thing ever. And they all got arrested because the cops thought it was a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of 90s, I watched The Crow last night. Oh, how did that go? Oh, that's a great movie. The Crow, the Crow is so good. Like, it, it just doesn't fuck around like if you think to yourself i want to watch i want to watch something almost embarrassingly 90s yeah yet commits to it so much it comes back around and, and it's not embarrassing at all the crow gives it to you plus it has the best it has the best cure song ever it's got it's got plenty of music in it every night i burn every night i call your name what a fucking tune. It wastes no time either. The Crow is consistent beginning to end. There's nothing dragging in that. But I did realise watching it last night, the whole film is a long con on the part of the little girl to steal the ring at the end. I think that's what the plot is. I think the whole idea was to get the ring dug up and, and like get 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 the crow dug up, get the ring from the pawn shop, <laughs> then the, the bird gives the ring to the girl... And she's just going to sell it back to another pawn shop. I think that's how The Crow is, like, canonically ends. The Crow also has the best line ever in a movie where the cop is scared and he's like, oh, shit on me, shit on me. Shit on me. (laughs) I I was watching it and I was thinking, right, there's something I need to remember to cut out to put into the Jimquisition as one of my random inserts. I need the pawn shop guy yelling shit on me, (laughs) yelling shit on me to Brandon Lee. As we all do. I, I didn't realise that film had a plot other than, hey, kids, be a goth. It has a very uh, angsty, very angsty plot. I, I know, yeah. That's, that's, the o- that's the only thing I think about is just uh, the generation of people that saw it and went, yep, that's me for the next four years. <laughs> the Crow is an inconsiderate fucker as well, playing his guitar up on top of the building at full blast. I, I live in a residential area, okay? I keep my martial arms at three, Okay. That motherfucker's playing at 11 up on top of rooftops. <laughs> to be fair, though, to be fair, though, this is this is a city that has an annual arson holiday. Yeah. I, I imagine rooftop guitar riffs are not the worst they deal with on a nightly basis. If you haven't seen the guitar scene from The Crow where he's playing on the roof, and go, go look it up on YouTube because it is the most cheesy-ass quintessentially 90s like angsty goth thing you will ever see and it's amazing <laughs> particularly when he smashes it up at the end yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like i said it just it it is so so hardcore about yeah. its nightiness it it goes from embarrassing to yeah. admirable well, i mean i wanted i wanted to be the crow when i was oh, a little dear. a little boy many i imagine many did <laughs> the crow and keith flint that's who we wanted to be i wanted to be the howling too <laughs> Just as a kid, I had a VHS tape. I never watched it. It was just The Howling 2. And for some reason, that is a big memory in my childhood. 
is there was always a VHS tape of the Howling 2 lying around. I still, to this day, don't even know if I've ever seen it. I saw Puppet Master 2, though, so I won. You, you did that. I did. It's, it's the one good Full Moon Studios film. Which, incidentally, is not on the Full Moon Network on Amazon Video. Full Moon Studios did two decent films, Puppet Master 2 and Subspecies 2. They are the two films explicitly not on Full Moon's Amazon Video channel. That is Trump's America in a nutshell. <laughs> Should we talk about some video games? Yeah, I'm done now. Is that is that you done for the week? I've said my piece. Uh, what do we want to start on this week? Uh... It's been a very games-like week for you two, hasn't it? Yeah, I didn't play fuck all. Um, yeah, I just played more New Vegas, which there's not really much to say about. It's still great. I'm still annoyed, though, right, that you can't tell Veronica and Veronica's girlfriend about each other being alive and well and available. That really bugs me. You can't even mention her to... to you can't even mention them to each other. Well, see, that, that, that would be far too sensible and, you know, reasonable and nice and positive. Yeah. It's just weird, though, because in, in most ways, New Vegas is a very clever and reactive game in that respect. And it's just really weird that when you meet, like, your, your like, Veronica's like my best friend. She's been with me for, like, you know, 60 hours of game now. And I meet her girl, her long lost girlfriend. And I can't fucking even tell them about each other. It's really fucking weird and, and immersion breaking. Fix it. Patch it. <laughs> maybe they're like, maybe the idea is that the the protagonist, the courier, is canonically a low-key homophobe. Maybe. And they're just like, they're not like outwardly bad about it, like, like outwardly bigoted. They're just subconsciously just, fuck you. And I think it's shameful. Maybe, but I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure the courier can romance uh, same-sex people. So a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a hypocrite. They get caught and 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 go up on stage and go, "I have sinned against you" to try and get out of it, like like all homophobic Christian ministers do, like all of them do. So shame on an obsidian who definitely have canonically made this a thing. Shame on them. Either that or it was just a writing oversight. That that too. Yeah. You know. Tomatoes, tomatoes. I think that's more likely. They probably had to rush those DLCs out and Zenimax were probably like, oh, I hurry the fuck up. You motherfuckers only scored a what? An 89 on Metacritic? You scum. You absolute imbeciles. This is the worst game ever. <laughs> yeah. Burn your studio to the ground. You are never making another Fallout again. And we're never getting a Fallout game with a good story again. <laughs> from from now on, <sighs> from now on, Bethesda is the only studio qualified to do justice to Fallout. On your ass, Obsidian. On your ass. I'm so glad we got Fallout 76 instead of a sequel to New Vegas. Oh, who would have wanted that? Yeah. God. Ugh. The only thing that could have been better than a, than a full-on Obsidian sequel to Fallout New Vegas would have been if Bethesda had made a Fallout New Vegas sequel and also made it an always online social experience. Yeah. That would have pleased everyone. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Sure. Fallout 76 was shit. Did I ever mention that? Oh, uh, you know, I've heard I've heard rumblings that it might have been shit. I think, and and you know, God forgive me for being this controversial, but I think Fallout 76 was shit. You know what game? Is less shit than it was when it came out. No Man's Sky. I went back and played some No Man's Sky this week. Hey, Gav got it right. Do you, you want to? Do you want to know what pushed me to go back to it? Because I've been saying, you know, you had your one chance, and you know, it was a shit game when it launched. All right. So is this the first time you've tried it since um, the launch month? Yeah. This is the first time I've tried it since probably the the launch month. I would say. You were. You were. You were doing acid and you thought No Man's Sky is going to look freaky <laughs> as fuck because that's what would give me a, a a boost to try it again. No, but as soon as VR comes to that game, that's going to be a real temptation. <laughs> you were doing acid and you were like, oh, the world looks like No Man's Sky now. And it reminded you of it. Yeah, it, it, it turns out I didn't actually go back and play No Man's Sky. I just dropped a bunch of acid and walked through my high street. And I'm like, oh, No Man's Sky is great. There's so many NPCs now and they all like have actual conversations. <laughs> uh, right, what pushed you to try it again? I, I watched a 
I'm not going to say it's good, but I watched a Netflix original series called How to Sell Drugs Online Fast. And it's some German live action show that got dubbed into English about some school kids in Germany. And it's kind of maybe somewhat based on a on a true story. Basically, like, set up a very successful drug thing online and then put it onto not the dark web and instantly got caught and shut down. They were not smart kids. But they were playing a video game and I'm like, is that No Man's Sky? Because it looks like No Man's Sky, but, like, with actual shit to do. I was, I was in two minds. I was like, have they, like, stuck UI elements on this footage of No Man's Sky to make it look more interesting than it is? Or have I just seen footage of No Man's Sky actually being good and being tempted to go back to it? It turns out it's kind of the latter. Like, it's still fundamentally the same game, but there is a lot more to do and it feels a lot less repetitive and there is a, there's a lot of new mechanics in there and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to stick with this, but... I tried it again, and it is undeniably better than it was. It is not so immediately shit. <laughs> I tried it after the Mega Patch come out, after yeah. the big update. I know they've had other updates since. I wasn't impressed, um, mostly because it's still, at its core, that survival game, that yeah. mining over and over again, which just... I'm I'm over that kind of shit. Yeah. But I do appreciate that they made a lot of improvements. I'm hesitant to say that it's, like, amazing now. But what I will say is, from the context of being someone who owns that game and had a, like, was not a huge fan when it launched... Um, and, and that said, you had a better time with it than uh, most people. Yeah. I, I had a pretty decent time until the yeah. obsessive loop just got in my head a bit too much and I had to back out. And, like, coming back to it... Maybe it's because I was expecting it to be shit because I, you know, remember having a bad time with it at the end. Yeah. Maybe it's, you know, just just the distance of time and going back to it. C- kind of a bit like my, my revisiting Mass Effect Andromeda and being a little less harsh on it. I know what this game is now. That might be the same thing I was talking to you a couple of weeks ago about where I went back to Breath of the Wild and I wasn't finding the stamina quite as ir- yeah. irritating as I did the first time because I knew how to get around it now. I, I think there really is something to going back to a game that you were really excited for and then kind of hated because it really wasn't what you hoped for, giving it a couple of years then coming back to it. Well, that's that's what they want you to do though now, isn't it? That's what they fucking want. This is the insidious shit that they want to release shit games and then, oh, it's okay, it'll be good in two years. (laughs) I'm I'm not saying that it's okay that it took two years for it to get to this point, but, like, coming back to it with my head in a better set of expectations, I was like... Yeah. I know what to expect now. I'm not getting disappointed because it's not what I wanted. And I'm I'm having a bit of fun with it. Uh, I played some things that were newer this week. Um... If I can just get my fucking computer to show me well, what I played. Well, New, New Vegas was great when I played it, and it was great when I revisited that, so people should go revisit that game. That's that's because it's actually a good game <laughs> and not one that you've stockholmed yourself into thinking is good two years later. Oh, by the way, that uh, NCR trooper, the weird one who, like, randomly attacked me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is still he's still lying dead outside the front gate of the strip a week later and no one has thought to pick him up. In fact, I even took a screenshot of him that you can use as the header for the, the podcast. <laughs> yeah, send it along. Oh, beautiful. Um, oh, got, uh, I went back and played some more Tetris Effect this week. Which is a good game. Like, I know you've played... Uh, you, you're really into it, Gav, right? I've never played it. I oh, just... Oh, you that's never played it on the podcast? For some reason, I got it convinced with Jim. No, I never played it, but I did watch videos and I really admired how they did the music. Ah, that is fair. It's it's coming to PC this week, so I I started playing it again. Uh. I continue to fucking love that game. It, it, it makes a real masterful use of music. Did I play it? I'm trying to remember, did I play it or... Maybe I... I don't know. I thought I thought you talked about playing it. Maybe I'm losing my fucking memory over here. I know I played it. Not in VR, but I did play it. I'm pretty sure I just watched videos and really liked how they did the music. I don't know. Someone someone will undoubtedly look it up and find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who can remember what we've fucking done? Who knows? I was reading... Appar- apparently anxiety causes memory loss. That's a new thing I learned today. <laughs> <laughs> I've been learning that 90% of my problems come down to 
come down to anxiety. Apparently, it's it's the f- like everything is its fault. Yeah. Yeah, anxiety just fucks up everything, huh? Yeah, apparently so. The brain's weird. Mm. I'm so tired. For me, it's either anxiety or I'm anemic. I'm always like, I'm there. Oh, I feel so dizzy. I'm like, everything's wrong. And I feel outside my body. And and Rach goes, have you taken any iron this week? I'm like, no. And then I take some iron and three days later, I feel much better. Ah, bodies are fucking great. I'd feel so much better if I took some iron bull. If you're dealing with anxiety-like symptoms... And you've tried everything. Iron can sometimes help you a little bit in that respect, because it makes you feel much stronger. Not that we're not that we're giving yeah, medical no. advice. I'm not saying take iron tablets for your anxiety. Um. <laughs> if I had iron tablets, would I be able to move my arms again? I'm so tired, I can't move my arms, and I've got to go to the shops after this. I've got, I need more shaving cream. I'm getting a horrible face hair. I don't like it. Makes my face feel uncomfortable because I've got the smooth, soft skin of a baby. Oh my god, it's so, it's so fucking hot. Uh, it's so fucking hot. I I played I played a game that I found cheap online. That's not a video game, but like has has electronic game elements that I've been really having a, a a fun time with for the last couple of days. It's this thing called Drop Mix. And it's made by Harmonics, which were they the rock band people? Uh, yes, they were. Yes. Yeah. So they made a game that, like, at launch, way too expensive. It was like 120 quid. It's now down to like 30. Where it's basically a board that has space for these NFC cards, and you get like 80 of them with the with the thing. And basically, cards will be they're all NFC chips, and they'll have like here's the vocal line to this song or the drum line to this song. And you play, like, a two-person competitive deck-building game, all the while making music mixes by placing the cards down, and, like, different mixes of songs will play as you're playing the game. Mm, Sounds cool. It's a real fun little idea. Yeah, if, if you like the idea of, like, literally just vocals, melody, drums, and bass parts of songs that you can just, like, throw down on a on a mat, and it's like, ah, now I'm hearing a, a mix that generally sounds all right it's it's quite a fun little thing to mess around with then mm. you can send it to joseph gordon levitt and he'll steal it yeah <laughs> should we talk about that should we talk about about ubisoft continuing to just go fans make the game for us after that before i forget i want to mention that jim inspired me to revisit the old fighting fantasy books this week as well so i want to quickly mention that afterwards as well oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Right, should we should we get into Jason Gordon Levitt and him telling you to make Ubisoft's games for him? Yeah. So I start I started getting a bunch of uh, messages this week, being like, "Hey, Gav, are you going to submit something for this Watchdogs project?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh dear," because I thought I thought back to this Beyond Good and Evil thing, which I ethically had huge problems with. Yeah. And. Uh, I was like, are they doing this again? For, for anyone who doesn't remember, the thing with Beyond Good and Evil is basically, hey, they're trying to make a fucking huge open world game. So they went, hey, why don't you submit your fan creations to be in the game that might be art or music or words or character designs or whatever? And, you know, if we decide that they're good and we put them in the game, then you'll get some money. But, like... Regardless, if you submit it to us, it's ours forever. And you can't use it, and we probably won't pay you anything for it. Yeah, the, I, I did a Laura on that, and I did some investigative journalism. Yeah, and I spoke to a woman who had worked with them before. That's not actually the case, so it's not it's not quite as heinous as I first thought. No. Um, what they do is you send in your work to them. Uh, this is his company. Let's keep just separate from Ubisoft for a moment, right? What his company does, hit record. It's artists collaborate. They send in bits and pieces and then they work together to create something. And then if it gets used for something, they make a bit of money. Um, the woman I spoke to who had worked to them with them said that when she had done it, it worked a little bit differently in that you were supposed to get royalties and a percentage of whatever it earned. But what they're doing, and, and also they retain the rights between them, the creators. Yeah. The His company gets a non-exclusive license to use it in whatever way they see fit, which is fine. That's what you, that's pretty standard. Yeah. Um. So it's not as bad as I thought in that, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt owns your music now. That doesn't happen. That's good. That's great. Artists retain the rights. 
However... Yeah. It is still a case of, like, hey, make stuff with no guarantee you'll yeah. get any money from us. And, like, there's there's a lot of weird stuff around it. It's basically working for exposure, which sucks. And it's a bad thing to encourage. Yeah. It, it's basically uh, work, uh, creating work on spec or art competitions. It's It's create things for us with no guarantee of what you'll get in return, basically so that we can get stuff for cheaper than we would if we paid someone directly to make it. Like, that's why they do it, it's because it's cheaper. Yeah, and this watchdogs thing, from what I can gather, if your piece gets used in the game, uh, between the creators you get two grand. Now, I have worked in the music industry for many, many years. Two thousand dollars is not even going to cover the cost of professionally mixing and mastering and recording your song. That is absolute pittance. And if you if you record the song yourself, and if you're up to that standard where you can do that professionally yourself, then you deserve more than $2,000 for creating a song. Yeah. Now, there's another caveat then to this as well, though, in that they're, they're mainly looking for ideas and stems from people, not entire finished songs. But they're not going to use the shit sounding stuff. They're going to use the stuff that sounds great and is done yeah. by people who've put in the time, the money and the effort to be good at their craft. And I think it sucks that they're not, you know, 99% of those people won't get paid. Yeah. I don't know if this is how the Watch Dogs one is being done, but I know for Beyond Good and Evil, because I was digging around a bit at that time, um... One thing that's really important to note is that it's incredibly difficult to tell how much you're going to make even if your stuff does get used yeah. because of the fact that they they basically, for Beyond Good and Evil, have a finite pool of money that they're like, this is the money we will divvy up between all people who collaborate on stuff to go in the game. The problem is, is they're not looking for just you submit a song, we like your song, your song's in the game. Yeah. For Beyond Good and Evil, they've very much been doing, okay, someone made a song that we like, now, someone iterate on it. Okay, someone remix it. Someone do album art for it. And that uh, what started as one person's collaboration will end up being 15 people's, and that original person who might have made a complete start-to-finish song gets about a 15th of what they would have done if Ubisoft hadn't gone, nope, time for everyone to c collaborate. So you don't know how small your slice of the pie is going to end up getting slithered away to. What what tells me that they will have very high standards of uh, of music for these games and that it will be the people, the professionals who get picked is there's this band called Bloodywood who are this really fucking cool Indian. They I think they call themselves Indian street metal. They're from India and they make this awesome metal stuff. Go go and listen to it. But they made they I was listening to one of their new songs and they were basically saying at the end of the video Oh, by the way, I hope you like. We hope you liked our song. We actually made this for Ubisoft for their Beyond Good and Evil, but they didn't like it. But we like it, so we're going to put it out. And I was like, if something this fucking good is getting rejected, then that tells you that the stuff they're choosing is going to be from the people who have a the budget, yeah, and b the skills and practice to get music up to an incredibly high professional level. And those people deserve more than fucking two grand. Yeah. Y you know what? I was actually really surprised about this story. So when I heard that, that hit record, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's people were doing stuff, like getting fans to do stuff for Watch Dogs Legion, my initial assumption was not music. I thought they dug themselves into too deep of a hole with this every NPC is recruitable and have, will have their own oh, voice yeah, acting yeah. and story and bullshit. I thought they were going down the route of, hey fans, please make 3,000 fan-made NPCs <laughs> for us so that there's enough to put in the fucking game. No, 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 no. What you've done there is you've simultaneously not given them enough credit and given them too much credit. <laughs> because Ubisoft just lies about its games before they come out and hype works in such a way that they will tell you at one moment that every single NPC has its own backstory and voice. And then when it comes out, yeah. it just won't be that. And they will just gloss over it and move on like they never even so much as implied it. And what will be in there will be very sort of cookie-cutter boilerplate stuff mixed and matched. That said, Watch Dogs 2 was very, very good. It was yeah. great. I think this is going to be a really fucking great game. It looks really, really good. 
And I'm sure the music will be great, but you, you pay, just pay musicians and hire them to make songs or license existing tracks. Like I commission, I commission music here and there. I commission artwork here and oh, there. Why? Um, I don't know much about rates. I'm not a major um, company, mm. you know. Obviously, I've got a nice budget with, with the Patreon stuff, but, you know, I pay just in regular. I pay oh. for the show and all of this. So basically, my... My rule is, like, I'll talk to the artist, I'll be like, what do you want? And on top of that, I more or less just have their permission to keep using the song yeah. uh, and let them sell it and market it and do whatever they want. Like, it's still yeah. their song. Yeah. Um, it seems like the like the best compromise I can come up with with not being able to pay yeah. thousands and thousands um, while, you know, still making sure they're paid what they want and also letting them, you know, just do whatever with the song. I should point out as well that I would bear no ill will towards any creators who enter this because not everyone's as lucky as me in that it's their job. And also people are, um, you know, some people just love that kind of creative, uh, uh, collaborative, uh, uh, doing it for a hobby. And if that's what it pleases you, then go for it. Yeah. Like, zero judgment to any excited fan who manages yeah, exactly. to get their work in the game and go, hey, fuck yeah, I get to be in the game that I love. But I am not, I am absolutely not working for exposure. If you want to, you, that's your prerogative, but there's no fucking way I'm doing it. In theory, I don't have a problem with the idea of let's get high quality fan stuff in the game. That's a nice idea on paper, but like, do it the way any other commissioned freelance work is done. Like... I paid an artist for the stuff on the the butt book, and for that it was, okay, people, if you want to be involved in this project, send me your portfolio. I will look through portfolios and find one that's like, oh, this is the kind of thing we're looking for. Reach out to that person and go, hey, Mm. I'm interested. Can I pay you a small amount now to basically do a quick mock-up of the direction you would take this project? Something very basic. Listen to that. Okay, that's fantastic. Can I pay you to do the full project at a decent rate? Or, or yeah, also pay someone to go out there and find cool pre-existing music. Yeah. You know, like I recently got um, the creators of Subnautica, their new one coming out is, they messaged me and said, hey, we really like the song you made. We want to put it in the game. Here's some money to give to let us put it in the game. I'm like, yeah. Fucking cool. Perfect. <laughs> you know? I did that recently. I say I did it recently. I did it in December, but only got to use the music now <laughs> because the professional wrestling industry doesn't adhere to schedules or what you expect will happen. Certainly if it's a Friday night. <laughs> but I, um, yeah, yeah, I've, I've got new entrance music for Sterling, which was the newly unveiled thing. On the, I showed it off on the gym position, my new star mask and my new silver and gold, the, the super heavyweight supervillain. Um, and yeah, I did that. Like I, I, There's this song called Star Killer by Bear Ghost. It fit the character perfectly. Uh, so I licensed it for a year's use, um, obviously to be renewed if, if I keep using that. But, but for a year's use, start in January. <laughs> and I got to use it now in July. So I've wasted half of that, but I, I still I love the song. It's so good. The thing is as well, like if you're a creator, and sorry, this is a topic that's very close to my heart. And if you're a creator who is being asked to do something for, say, a, a small indie game, you, you will use your common sense. There's probably not going to be a massive budget there. And you, you might decide to do it for less money because it might be something you're really into, you know, like I, I like I have done a couple of times mm. with indie games. But for a triple A multi fucking billion dollar franchise like Watch Dogs to be paying musicians yeah. 2,000 quid is just, that's pennies. That is pennies. Yeah. Did you hear what Warner Brothers did once? What'd they do? Uh, a couple of years back. For one of those fucking Annabelle films, the, the creepy doll yeah. that does things. I don't know I've seen like one or two of them and I didn't get why they were so what's so good about them. But anyway, Creepy Doll, they did um, some for Annabelle Creation. Um, I know Red Letter Media did a video on it at one point. It was like a competition to send in ideas for movies and the winning one would, you know, quite potentially get that movie made and the prize would be a whole $50. <laughs> and they were essentially asking for movie ideas for them. For the the princely sum of fifty bucks. Yes, but but think of the ex- think of the exposure. Yeah. 
Whenever I think of exposure, I think of exposure to the elements of the cold and the rain because you don't have a fucking house to live in. Yeah. And exposure to hunger. <laughs> Stop devaluing art, Joseph oh. Gordon-Levitt. You're you're in a union. Yeah. You should know better. Joseph Gordon-Levitt exclusively fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I like you as an actor, but, you know, stop. Yeah. Oh, there's a, there's a fun story about a game this week. So, you know how at E3, quietly before Ubisoft's conference start, they added into Assassin's Creed Odyssey the ability for people to make um, to make their own story missions and share them with other people? Yeah. I'm sure that turned out well. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so it, it, it worked out honestly and I think the best way. So, rewind a bit to when that game launched. Clearly, the levelling curve was fucked up. They wanted you to pay for a piece of DLC to make the experience grow at the right pace. So fans have taken it into their own hands and made story quests where there is no anything you have to do. You load up the quest, and then the quest finishes, and you get free experience. They have um, other ones where like a super powerful NPC spawns and then just kills enemies instantly for you yeah. to just farm experience. It, it, it's shit like that. It is basically missions that you can distribute to your friends that just give you free experience. Yeah. I'm very surprised they even um, put that tool out in the first place, to be honest. I'm surprised that they didn't see that coming. I think a lot of it was people were so upset with the DLC because this got announced like in the midst of, oh no, you've made my, uh, you've made my assassin not gay anymore you force them to settle down and have a baby with a and be in a straight relationship grumble grumble um i think part of it was maybe the thinking of if we just let them make their own story stuff they can make it gay and they'll stop shouting at us but um yeah they've gone and shut it down no one's allowed to have free experience missions anymore well they've not they've not shut the whole thing down the, the story no, no, creator no. is still there but it is now explicitly against the terms of service to what do what they call exploits and what the rest of us call the thing that happens with any user-generated content tool. Yeah. It's not an exploit. What it did was basically compete with their microtransactions. Yeah. That's what they didn't like. There are plenty of tools out there for many games, like Bethesda games, and I think City of Heroes had one, where they don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Because... It's one of the first things people do. Like, a, a user-created tool comes out and they think, okay, I'll make some easy scores. And Ubisoft tried to position it as an exploit that undermined the integrity of the game. I'm like, no, 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 this isn't what you've done. You've not, you've not protected the integrity of the game, Ubisoft. You've, you've killed your competition. Yeah. Because these XP quests were doing what you are selling to people. It's doing it quicker, more efficiently, and for free. It's not like this is an online multiplayer game where by levelling yourself up quicker, you're giving yourself some kind of unfair advantage in yeah. an online connected space. You are right. It is 100%. They do not want you making the kinds of levels that will compete with what their DLC did of, yeah. oops, I'm falling behind on the levelling curve because the game deliberately has too slow of a levelling curve to try and get you to buy the DLC. I'm going to do this thing instead to do the same thing. That's exactly why I'm surprised they even put out the tool, though, because I'm in any game with microtransactions yeah. in it, even like for some modder might go out and make a much cooler armor set or something than the ones you have to spend a tenner on. I'm really, I'm surprised they, they put it in. You know what sucks though? Is being someone who really fucking loves that game and just having to just go, yeah, I know all the stuff around it sucks. At least you <laughs> acknowledge that. At least you're not these people that uh, like know what's going on and rather than think about it even for a second or even want to risk feeling the tiniest bit bad, they come into my Twitter and onto my YouTube comments and tell me to shut up about it. And quote-unquote, as someone said today, just let people enjoy games. I'm not yeah. telling you to whether or not you should enjoy it. I'm not telling you to feel guilty about it. Do what you want. You're the customer. It's You do what you want for you, but... I'm not going to shut up about it. Don't shoot the messenger. It's the monetized XP that is stopping people from enjoying games. It's not Jim. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I feel like, Gav, you maybe feel about this game the way that I do about something like maybe, Detroit, yeah. where it's like, I love this. I can recognize it's shit. And whenever people bring up their laundry list of complaints, I go, yeah. I think it's different. I think it's different because... The things I don't like about the game are the business practices. The game itself, 
I I don't have many complaints about the actual game. In fact, I have like a hundred hours played on that game. <laughs> that's that's fair. But I do get I do I do get what you're saying. My point was more the I love it I love it, but I do have to sit there sometimes and just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what it'd be more like? It'd be like you with that Pokemon collecting all your shinies. Okay, yeah, may, maybe that is the case. <laughs> um. So Jim this week tweeted out. Uh, the 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 manticore on the cover of an amazing book. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. one of the sorcery ones. Steve Jackson's sorcery, the Shamitanti Hills, and mm. those were my favorite thing in the world as a as a kid. Because before we had open world RPGs and and before we had FromSoft games, if you wanted a super hard, challenging fantasy adventure, you were reading books. <laughs> you were reading fighting fantasy books and they were so good oh, yeah. the fucking was it ian livingston and steve and steve jackson jackson did um the fighting fantasy books i'm not sure i know they've got some market penetration here in the states but in the uk like wh smith would have a whole shelf of the bastard oh yeah there was like 50 of them um warlock of firetop mountain being the first one to really come out Followed by... Citadel of Chaos. Citadel of Chaos, yep. And then a whole bunch of others. Forest of Doom. Forest of Doom with that sort of creepy lizard man bandit thing on the cover. Death Trap Dungeon. Yeah. Temple of Terror. House of Hell was the notoriously fucking hard one. Like, if you think Sekiro is hard, <laughs> try finishing House of Hell. Even, because even cheating, it was fucking nigh on impossible to finish that one. Yeah. You get yourself a little paperback, a pencil and a dice, and then you've got yourself a fucking hardcore gamer situation, my friend. They were great. Yeah. You fucking casuals with your Sekiro. <laughs> yeah. Sekiro's easy mode compared to House of Hell. <laughs> I, was, I was counting down my provisions with a little bit of rubber on the end of my pencil. That's how hardcore I am, folks. Yeah. You would make your own skills sheet because you, you didn't want to rub through the page from from replaying it so many times. Yeah, I learned that lesson the hard way. Yeah. Just rubbing holes through the, the stats page. They were basically choose-your-own-adventure books, but, like, super fucking hardcore. Simple dice-based combat as well to it and, like, health meters that, that you yeah. logged yourself. So it was, like, ex like, like... The, the basics of a choose-your-own-adventure, but with a little bit of D&D on top, but in a simplified way. And yeah, I found them really compelling. They were unreal. And despite being made for young adults, they did not fuck around. Like, you could take a wrong turn and find yourself being boiled alive in a pot by fucking cannibals or like... <laughs> oh, yeah. A couple of years ago, I reacquired the... Um, the, the, there was a monster book. Oh, yeah. That um, had all of the stats and, and a little bit of backstory and artwork for all of the monsters that you'd find in one of those fighting fantasy books. It's a beautiful little book. Loads of great art in there. Um, and I think it's designed so that people can sort of create their own. Uh, I think there may have even been a create your own book. That, I, I had that, yeah. I, I used to make my own, uh, like, fighting fantasy books, like 400 long and everything. It was, like, so much fun. Yeah, but, yeah, lovely little thing. Keep of the Lich Lord. <laughs> and Creature of Havoc, Phantoms of, what was it, Phantoms of Fear. They were so good. They had a couple sci-fi ones as well, though I cannot remember the names of any of them. Yes, uh, Starship Traveller was one, and... Mm. It was the kind of Mad Maxi one. I can't remember the name of that. But uh, yeah, they were fucking great. There was a DS game, a first-person DS game based on Death Trap oh, yeah. Dungeon that I played for a bit. It was shit. Um, but there was also a PS Vita version of Warlock of Firetop Mountain, which was yeah. actual text-based and everything. That was pretty cool. That was pretty neat. I know the sorcery series are on Steam, but I'm, I'm just not sure I'd enjoy it as much playing it as okay. a video game. There's just something very comforting about... Having your fingers in seven different pages at once, trying to see what will happen if you <laughs> go this way. Completely cheating. But they were so smart, they knew everyone was cheating, so they would find ridiculously convoluted ways to fuck you over. Like, it was so clever. Like, you would have to be like, if you found this key in chapter fucking 300 pages ago, there's a number on that key, deduct that number from the page you're on now and go to that page. And you're like, well, there was no way I was going to cheat my way through that fucking kind of... Yeah. 
They were great. Unlike Ubisoft, they legitimately did preserve the integrity of the solo <laughs> experience. Uh, uh, I was seeing if I've, I've done anything else this week. Um, I started playing Dragon Quest Builders 2. Yeah. yeah. I, I really enjoyed the first one of those. Um, it was cute. Yeah, this has basically fixed a lot of the problems that the first one had, which is nice. Um, you run into invisible walls and ceilings less frequently. Um, it's got a little bit more Stardew Valley stuff in it with like farming and autonomous NPCs and stuff like that. The big thing they did that, that made me like this game a lot more is... The first one was c- kind of weird in that when you finished a story chapter, you'd load into a new map... And, like, you'd lose all of your equipment and abilities and, like, your progression and blueprints and you sort of had to start over, which really killed the momentum. It felt like you were constantly starting another small game. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, uh, that's out. Brilliant. It, yeah, uh, it is now one continuous story that is a lot more, like, it feels like one big world. Okay. That might make me want to pick up the Switch version if I find out that the Switch version isn't buggered. I've, I've, I've been playing the Switch version, and so far it doesn't appear to be buggered. Uh, oh. You're going to love this. They got rid of weapon and armor degradation. Yes! Uh, they cleared up the UI a bit. They've made it easier to see what's going on and simplified it all a bit. It's basically just the first game, but like they, they made it all feel like one big cohesive game, which really helps its pacing. Oh, that's great. That sounds great. And they, they peppered its world with like... You know how, like, Breath of the Wild has, like, overworld puzzly stuff going on? Yeah. They peppered a bit of that in. There is stuff to do as you're running around the world in between mining the resource or fighting the monsters. There are little puzzles to go do that will reward you. Okay. Sounds right. Yeah. I'm I'm not super into it, but I'm, uh, like, super far into it, but I'm far enough in to go. Most of the things that kind of bugged me about the first game are gone. Mm. So, yeah, I'll, I'll play more Dragon Quest Builders. Mm-hmm. My whole week is just waiting for uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance to come out on the Switch. Is that this week? That's uh, Friday. Oh, shit. Also, that Friday, I'm driving up to Alabama, so I can't even play it till I get back till... God, I might not even be back till Saturday morning, so I got my show. Did that Wolfenstein game come out, or is that next month? Uh, I, I know it's sometime around now. I don't know the date. We'll have to Google it quickly. Yeah, it ain't out yet. I know that much. It sucks that the gameplay was so meh in the last one, because the story was really fun. Well, they they did fix that combat. Yeah. I replayed it on the Switch, and the update did come to the mm. other versions as well. Oh. But they rebalanced it, so it was a lot closer to the original. To I say the original to them, the new order. Um, and I remember, even though the Switch version was sort of hideous, uh, which didn't matter so much, except for the cutscenes where you're just like staring at someone talking to you. And then you notice just how ugly the character models are and how smeary it all is. But from a gameplay perspective, the combat felt a lot more fun. Because um, the, the, whatever they did to the new Colossus, it, it, it just wasn't that fun. It felt a little too... That, that fucking courtroom level was awful. It was just that BJ had fuck all health and you couldn't run around. Yeah, he felt pathetic. Yeah. But they fixed that. Um, I, I should give it, because I only gave the Switch version a little go. Yeah. I should give the, I, I've got it on PS4 as well. I should go back and finish it, because if, if that is consistently changed throughout, then yeah, I'll give that another go. The party scene in that game is one of the best, uh, funniest cutscenes ever. <laughs> it's so good. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Tangent there. No, that's fair. Um... The only other thing I've really been doing this week is I've been playing more uh, Mario Maker 2. I will have to send you a link, uh, Jim. I found a good thread on Reddit that's just new Mario levels that that aren't needlessly difficult or gimmick-based. They're they're just people trying to design Nintendo-style Mario levels. Oh, that sounds... Yeah, that's exactly what I want. Yeah, I will send you a link to the thread, but, like, I've been really enjoying just... Adding a bunch of a bunch of just normal ass Mario levels to the game. Yeah, because like you know, I'm impressed by all the super difficult, intricate stuff. But yeah, you know, it it that is consistently what gets pushed through. Yeah, yeah, that's the stuff that gets to the top of the algorithm, yeah. and it's mainly because YouTubers are playing the very difficult levels because frustration gets YouTube views, and then people watch those YouTube videos and seek those levels out, and that pushes them up the algorithm. But that stuff's out there, if you want to go looking for it. Like, I've been enjoying Mario Maker 2 mainly as 
here's 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 the thread of just normal ass levels people have made, and here is Nintendo's a hundred level story mode, and that's it. That's all I needed. I should do my own YouTube series called Jim plays some nice Mario levels. That'll get a couple hundred views. <laughs> Why do we so enjoy watching people suffer? Like there's Let's Players that I'm subscribed to on YouTube and the only time I watch them is when they're struggling through FromSoft games and getting really angry. <laughs> I, I, I feel like part of it is the, the joy of that's not me suffering. The suffering is somewhere else. I'm having a good time because the suffering is far away. There's one called Tyrannicon that I watch and I just piss myself laughing because he just dies over and over and often in stupid ways and it's just... To me, that's so much more entertaining than watching someone who's really good at it. If uh, we got anything else, or is that us? Um, We're 52 minutes in. If we got eight minutes more not sleep in us? Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I've got eight minutes of life left in me. I'm being, I'm slowly, I'm slowly fading. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I, I really have not done anything gameplay-wise. Like, I finished Sinking City and then concluded that no other video game is worth playing anymore because I've already <laughs> played the worst game I'll ever love. What's the point anymore? I've continued plugging away at my Pokemon quest. Um, I'm like two thirds of the way through beating all the all the best trainers using my shinies. I don't know what I'm going to do with life after that's done. I think you just burn all of your video games and walk off into the sunset like Bruce Banner at the end of Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I'll just reinstall <laughs> New Vegas, like. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I need to I need to pace myself on Pokemon because I need to finish it like the day Sword and Shield comes out. I need to just live in a perpetual world of Pokemon obsession. I've been playing a lot more Nuclear Throne. I do every now and then I'll play Nuclear Throne. I've done a little bit of that. Yeah. I'm so bad at that game. Same. I like a good roguelike, but for some reason I never get good at Nuclear Throne. I, ju I just never get. You know, I started out shit with Binding of Isaac, but eventually got to a point where I'm like, okay. I can have a reasonable expectation I will beat a run, you know, today. Yeah. Nuclear Throne, I'm, I, I will never be good at it, even in the slightest. But I still have fun with it. I played some more Dr. Mario, and it just feels like its challenge is we deliberately didn't give you enough resources, please spend money. This is that mobile one. Yeah, that mobile one. Yeah. It, it keeps, like, being just, like... It keeps being just enough on the periphery that I'm like, I can see it coming. I'm gonna, I can see that I ultimately have only as much control in this level as the random assortment of pills you give me that is not really enough to finish the level. Yeah. And either I luck out or I fail. Insidious. Yeah, it just feels a bit shitty. I'm so sick. I'm so fucking consistently angry at video games now. Nintendo, just put the franchises you have as paid games on my phone yeah let me pay for a dr mario game let me pay for an animal crossing i don't have the energy to be angry at them i'm just consistently quietly disappointed exactly <laughs> i'm not angry at you i'm just disappointed which we all know nintendo is worse feel bad nintendo <laughs> you've you've besmirched your name with shitty cash crabs it would be nice to just see some normal nintendo games or you know at least some straightforward iterations yeah. of Nintendo games on a phone instead of them using the established atmosphere of the mobile market to do all of the things they get praise for not doing in the areas where people pay attention to them. When Pokemon Go came out, I never thought it would feel the most Nintendo of a Nintendo mobile game. Yeah. I thought it was going to be the weird offshoot one that felt like, oh, no, okay, that's, that's made by different people. That feels the most like a game I can just sit down and play and go, this feels kind of at least like a Nintendo game. I can't even play f games on my iPhone anymore. Someone recommended a, a game, Another Eden it's called. I downloaded it. It's like an RPG by the someone who wow. worked on the, the Chrono series. And they said it was free, but there are in-app purchases in it, but apparently they're there to quote, EA's legal VP Kerry Hopkins they're quite ethical um, and I was I was curious about it but uh, th this little white bar and I googled how to get rid of it and no one seems to know how yeah the white bar that you use to flick the screen up and down because there are no buttons on the, the later iPhones <laughs> every time you press on the screen it pops back up and it's to a lot of people, I'm sure it doesn't bother them, but I find it... It's why I can't listen to uh, an English language film with subtitles or anything. That's... I get too distracted, and, and my eyes are drawn to the exclusion of everything else. 
I tried it for a few seconds and just stopped. I'm not, I'm going back to a fucking Android next time, I think. I'm over this. I'm over Apple. That's fair. That's fair. Half the pages don't load on their fucking browsers. Yeah. Piece of shit. <laughs> there was like fuck all game news this week, wasn't there? It was a quiet week. I, I thought, like, I just had missed all the game news because I've had a busy week, but I went looking. I was like, there's really not anything. In my area of coverage, there are news stories, but it's, like, m- unfortunately, more of the same crap. Yeah, I, I did consider putting on the topic list, like, the BBC does a story about another child who spent all their parents' money on microtransactions. It's like... I don't want to talk about that every week. Yeah. I need a bit of respite in Podquisition. Podquisition is my escape occasionally. <laughs> I can respect that. Like, I'll, I I talk about it plenty in videos anyway. Well, Podquisition's usually where I hear all the all the, the news. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been, uh, it's been quite outside of the horrible business as usual stories. Um, but then it's summer, this happens, mm. the summer drought. You'd think that some of these games that were competing for and failing in some cases to get attention in February and the like could have saved themselves for now. Sure, it's not as hot a time for the overall market in summer, but that might even out by the fact that people will know your games come fucking out. And if if no one releases any games, you're just going to have to do what I did, drop some acid, walk into town and enjoy the real, good, actual version of No Man's Sky. Turn life into a video game. Turn life into the best video game. Drop shrooms, go into a casino. (laughs) I did that once and I walked out. I walked out certainly with more liquor in me than money I'd put into a machine, I'll tell you that much. So, unlike with video games, I walked away a winner. (laughs) A hallucinating, drunk winner. Uh. Speaking of those crowded uh, moments of the year when lots of things come out, please listen to us developers. Do not fucking put out your game in April next year. Just don't. It's gonna get crushed. Well, there's gotta be a reason people are putting them out in April, so I'm gonna put mine out in April too, because clearly it's a hot month. <laughs> put your game out on, on a month that Cyberpunk isn't coming out, because nothing is gonna even be able to touch it. So just put it in, like, I don't know, February or, or you know, June, when we've been already playing that for a couple of months. I'm telling you, if you put your game out in April, it's gonna fail. Just save some games for the summer. Just save some games for the summer. Like, this happens every fucking year. Don't titanfall your your game. Also, I should point out, like, despite what we've said on this podcast, don't do drugs unless you know your limits. Don't do drugs, even if it means that you get to live in the video game. Don't do drugs at all, if you're me. Don't be, be, be well behaved. Do good. We... None of us have ever done a drug, nope. I only do the drugs that aren't drugs, like alcohol and coffee, Uh, because, you know, they're not really drugs. Yeah, you know. Because they're socially (laughs) acceptable, addictive drugs. Yeah, (laughs) you do do the drugs that society said these are the okay ones. These ones are allowed. Well, I do I do the ones that don't send me into despair and panic attacks, but yeah, we'll... We'll, <laughs> well I don't know about anyone else, but I consider myself high on life. Yeah. That, that is admittedly because I spend my entire life on drugs, but <laughs> I'm high on life. That's the thing, Vivian. Life is the biggest high it can have, Vivian. I'm, I'm high on life. If life is the name that I use to call the drugs. Shut up, Neil, you bloody hippie! (laughs) Uh, Can you tell I've been watching The Young Ones? You might have been watching. You might have been watching a little bit of The Young Ones. You might have. Shall we start wrapping up? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's wrap it all up, shall we? I'm going to go first in terms of pushing things out. Um, actually, no, 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 I will, I will, because you've got a big thing. What, who, me? Yeah. Yeah. We'll let Laura, Laura go first this week. Yeah. I was, I was going to show off about my wrestling, but I also remembered this week, you have a big thing. I'll, I'll be, I'll be, I won't take too long, but, um, you know how for the last year I've been prattling on about having books coming out? One of them's out now. By By the time you hear this... Uncomfortable Labels, a book about being trans and on the autism spectrum and how that's actually surprisingly common and what that's like, it's out there in the world. Have you got a copy? No? Well, you could. Go out and get it. It's in all places where books are. Get the book, for fuck's sake. It's in Barnes and Nobles. It's in Waterstones, Amazon. But, you know, maybe avoid there because, you know, they're shitty to their workers. But it is there. Um, 
it's in the book places and it's mildly terrifying. Um, Releasing the book is mild- the book itself. I don't think is mildly terrifying. Oh no, no! Releasing the book was mildly terrifying. Yeah, I sold a couple of early copies this past weekend at Coxcon, and it started to sink in. Like, oh, it's a physical book. And people have taken it away. I can't take it back now. They've gone off into the world. There are copies in the world. I can't collect them all and bring them back. It's going to get read now. So that's my week, is is that book. Uh, Also, a bunch of cool shit this week. Uh, Go check out My Brother, My Brother and Me, uh, the episode that went up on Monday. I'm in that. I was on My Brother, My Brother and Me. And if I say so myself, I think I did all right. Yeah. I didn't listen to it yet. Justin listened to it. He said you. He said your bit on it was really good. I I listened back to it and I didn't hate it, which means that it was probably great. Resounding <laughs> success. Um, I did a thing for the Huffington Post um, called "I'm Trans Autistic and More Common Than You Think," which is about my book, and you can check that out on the Huffington Post. And just laurakbuzz.com. That's where all the all the stuff I do goes. Patreon.com/laurakbuzz. That's how you can help me pay the bills. And laurakbuzzstore.com if you want to pick up the audiobook of Uncomfortable Labels that comes out next month. Is that all the things? I think that's all the things. I think that's all the things. I think that's all the things. Um, yeah. After my big bluster at the beginning, I'm just going to revert to tradition. Oh. Gavin, tell people about your great me. I believe you have a new Bloodborne song out as well. I do indeed. Uh, it's doing really, really good. It's been my biggest hit one of my biggest hits since the doom song in 2016 so that's nice this year has been fucking great actually right. so i don't know what i fit what i did differently but maybe the algorithm just fixed itself or something for me i don't know but thanks to everyone listening this year it's going really well uh miracle of sound on youtube miracle of sound on patreon where you can help keep me in a job where unlike joseph gordon levis I make decent money for every song that I put out from you wonderful people who actually understand that artists need to live and eat. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. Oh, and I've got merchandise as well. Uh, Miraclesound.fanfiber.com. And I've got loads of new shit there, like phone cases and caps and hoodies and all cool stuff. And they're really great designs. My artist, Alfred, is fantastic. If you've never seen the like album covers he does for me, go and have a look because they're fantastic. And now you can have them on a T-shirt. Ooh. Yay. I think that's everything. Pulled one of my speakers over because I was tugging on my headphone cord. Yeah, headphone cord. Yeah. <laughs> you meant... <laughs> You cheeky, you cheeky so-and-so. You cheeky bastard. <laughs> uh, right. God, I've, yeah, we've got to wrap up because I'm getting delirious now. Uh, right, so I unveiled a fun thing myself this week. I unveiled a new gimmick for the pro wrestling. Um, that was the new aesthetic that was on. It won't be every week, of course, on the Gymquisition. One person's response to it was just to say, right, I'm not watching these. Well, that's a nice <laughs> response, <laughs> but, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Actually, someone went to my own subreddit to say, I wish I could stand to watch him for more than 10 seconds. <laughs> what a great place to let that be known. Like, I'm going to seek out his own subreddit to say it. What a constructive criticism that was. Oh, yeah, it helps me. Yeah. certainly helps me. Um, but, but anyway, I was very excited about it. A lot of people like how it looks. Um, I love it. I love it. I've got me me gold star face and my silver and gold. Um, brought back to Stardust Cape because, I mean, that's just the clincher with the, the lining that looks like galaxies and shit. Um, for those who are interested in seeing uh, my performances, like I say, don't go expecting me to go out there being fucking ricochet or anything. Um, men, most, most of the time I'm often there as like, manager authority figure kind of thing they i sometimes get put in matches as like you know for the spectacle of it and i do some fun stuff with that um but i am doing some appearances now outside of pro wrestling ego and it looks like hopefully some regular proper like touring indie stuff uh but for right now i will be in next week i'll be at piedmont alabama for pro south wrestling on july 19th um 
That'll be at a... Oh, God, I can't remember there. But it's going to be live stream. Keep an eye out on my Twitter for that. Um, they will have a live stream of it, I've been told. And I'll put details on Twitter. Uh, so that'll be Pro South Wrestling July 19th. And at Aug on August 3rd at the Rise Stronghold in Pittsburgh, uh, I will be at Rise Pro Wrestling, uh, where I hope to make a fairly big impact on the course of their, their promotion. We shall see. Uh, but that's going to be kind of exciting. I've already seen a few people um, local to that area talking about going. Uh, please do. Uh, anywhere where I can prove that I can draw somewhere, where I can bring in some new people to the audiences. And that makes me look good. And I promise you, I, will, I only ever put in uh, 100% and then some. They say that's impossible, but I'm, I am more possible than most humans. Um, I always put in 100% and then some, even when I end up at shows where there are five frat boys in the audience and that's the entire audience and they're not really into it. Fuck you, Hattiesburg. Um, but, but I always go out there and have a good laugh and I'll be able to do my, my manic supervillain laughter without breaking a microphone, <laughs> uh, which is what tends to happen when I try and do it in studio. Um, but I'm very excited, very excited. Obviously, this doesn't come at, at the expense of all of my other duties in the video games media industry. Um, but I'm super excited about what is turning into a, an interesting second career um, to run concurrent. Uh, hopefully, this is the start of some cool things. I'm looking at and have been in some talks for some other places, and uh, I think it's going to be quite cool. So that's me. Um, that's me. It's not Stardust. People keep asking what happened. The same thing that happened way back in December. He got killed by the evil Wes Warren. Um, so I'm now appearing as Sterling, a.k.a. as the Star Eater, a.k.a. as the super heavyweight supervillain, a.k.a. as the big bad. I've given myself many grandiose nicknames, um, but that'll be me. So next week and then August 3rd. Stardust turned left instead of right at the junction in Death Trap Dungeon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And he didn't skip ahead. He didn't check the pages like a pro does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much for everyone, certainly everyone who's been supportive of those, the pro wrestling endeavours. I know it's not for everyone. Uh, thank you, as always, to everyone who supports us on the Patreon. It's been a nice uh, month on the Patreon. Um, I've mentioned before we took a few hits uh, that seem to sort of uh, coincide with taxis and stuff. Um, which is always a little bit of a you know an unpleasant surprise, um, but but it's been nice this month. It's been a nice uh, extra bump. Um, thank you for everyone who does that, who supports the Patreon, who watches my videos, who shares the stuff out, who listens to this, who supports Gavin Laura, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.